What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And this year, we've decided that we want to slightly alter what we decide to cover on the third week. Um, because before, we were we were calling it a homies pick because mm -hmm. it was kind of a combined idea of Roshane's and I's. But Roshane had a good idea of something else that we could do instead. Yeah. So last year, we started really diving into our pick system where I get a pick, Erica gets a pick. That way we can, you know, look at each other's libraries and pick from there. Um, but our third week has always been kind of up in the air. Like, as Erica said, we called it our homies week because it was both of us, but we were still kind of looking for something. And so in the spirit of it still being the homies week, we thought what a great time to look at some of the many suggestions that you guys are sending to us via our discord, social media posts, et cetera, et cetera. This just seemed like a great way to incorporate that into our schedule. So this year we're going to be trying out along with still keeping our selective picks each month. Um, and still keeping the Discord decides. Shout out to the Discord homies. Uh, we did also want to have a generalized homie pick from you guys, your decision, and a fun way for you to also, you know, get a little bit more involved in the show. Yes. So that being said, now more than ever is the time for you to just go ahead, throw all of your suggestions at us by whatever means is best for you, social media, Discord, email because we're yeah going to be looking at it more than maybe we have in the past and picking specifically from it at least once a month and so if there's a movie that you maybe requested a long time ago maybe send it again just in case it got lost in the shuffle also we think that it'd be really fun to give the person or people who requested the movie a shout out uh so to start off for our verse version of the homies pick we are going to be covering a movie that actually has been requested multiple times and funnily enough just got requested again earlier today we, we had <laughs> yeah. already picked the movie but it just worked out that we got another request for it so that completely validated the pick for us but <laughs> this movie has been requested by Robbie, actually Robbie Banfitch, who we interviewed the director of The Outwaters on the episode. This was a movie that he recommended to us. Mm -hmm. This was also recommended on Instagram by Bobby and recommended through our Discord by Sammy Sue Hazel. I'm sure more people have said it, but these are just the ones that are the most fresh in our minds. And these are the ones that we went back to when we picked the movie. Funnily enough, if you listen to our Outwaters interview episode, Robbie mentions this movie and I act like I've seen this movie. And that's because I thought that I did. But I realized 
the, like a couple days ago when we decided to do this movie, I've been confusing Session 9 with Case 39, which is a movie that's has Renee Zellweger in it <laughs> about her being a social worker. That's also a horror movie that came out in 2009. For some reason, every time Session 9 came up, I thought people were recommending Case 39, which was always weird to me because I didn't remember that being that like great of a movie. Right. I just realized this is a completely different movie that I have never seen before. <laughs> Imagine my surprise. Well, um, when it initially got brought up to us, my brain definitely went to District 9 immediately. <laughs> I knew that that was completely wrong, but that was right. the first nine movie that popped in my <laughs> head. So I think yours was at least a little bit closer. I just want to say that because I don't want anyone to listen to that episode and <laughs> wonder why I'm acting surprised or like I've never seen this movie before and think that I <laughs> and think that I was just making shit up when we were talking about mm -hmm. it. I truly thought that I had seen it. I was like, oh, case 39. Yeah, sure. Whatever. So that's why. This is a completely fresh watch for me. Uh, Session 9 is a movie that I thought I knew, but I didn't. I even the cover of Session 9, like the chair mm -hmm. and how it's in that dark hallway, I thought was the cover of Case 39. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So that is why this was a fresh watch for me, which is actually really exciting because I went into this movie obviously knowing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. That was exciting. Like, I, I, I yeah. like, especially for an older movie, it was kind of nice to go in and not know anything about it at all. Yeah, agreed. For me, obviously, it was a first time watch as well. I feel like for films like this, especially of this era, you kind of have a good grasp on this era. I think it's a little bit difficult to find films that you haven't seen to do fresh watches for both of us. So the fact that this one just kind of fell into that happy medium is kind of a blessing, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And this movie, yes, is a horror movie. I think you could completely put it under that category. Yeah. But I almost feel like it's a little bit more of a thriller mystery. Yeah, with some psychological maybe? thrown in there. With like psychological, yeah. It's got a couple different genres mixed up in this whatever mm -hmm. kind of movie soup that we got here. Yeah, we got a whole dish here with a bunch of different spices, which maybe also is why it passed me by. That is not to say that this movie is not scary, but I... I don't know that I would categorize it traditionally as a horror film. However, it's strictly it's horror. Yeah. still very much falls under our umbrella of the type of movie uh, that we will cover because we're about to get into the scare scale. I want to be clear that that does not mean that this movie isn't scary. Mm -hmm. But how scary it is, we shall see. Scale of one to five. Five being... I was trying to think of it like a, an like a go crazy ah like a, <laughs> like an asylum thing, but I Joker Harley Quinn somewhere in that yeah five being but Joker's not really scary this is not my <laughs> my strong well, suit five being the Joker one being Ronald McDonald <laughs> okay good spin how good scary spin. is it uh, okay in that case. Despite this movie being tense, we are going to lean towards Ronald here. Um, I'm going to give it like a two, uh, Ooh, a tentative okay. two, because um, there is a lot going on here. 
again, very psychological, um, very tense. I feel like you do spend a majority of this movie trying to figure out what's going on. And like, there are a lot of moments that kind of have you on the edge of your seat. But as far as scary goes, I think that there are only a couple moments that I found truly scary. Um, They're there, Mm -hmm. but um, there weren't too many of them for me. So although the experience is pretty tense, I don't think the movie itself is that scary so i'm gonna say two out of five Mm, okay i'm not gonna lie that that ronald surprised me (laughs) i was not expecting that i this movie to me kind of gives me that same sensation of when evil lurks where the scares aren't always there but the stress is Mm -hmm. and i feel like sometimes it's easy for me to conflate the two and feel like, oh, because I was stressed, I was scared. So I'm trying really, really hard to figure out where that actually leads me because yeah. I was stressed out for all of this movie. But you're right. I don't think I was necessarily super scared for the entire film. I think I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Joker. I, I'm going to put myself at like a 3.5 because okay. I will say that I think the result of the stress is that I expected scares. I created them. I created scares in my right. mind, which is what tension, good tension building is. So I think that they were successful in that way. And even the moments that were kind of meant to be scares in a way, they play out so well for me that even though it's not a, like a, an immediate jump scare, something about it did really get under my skin at times. So yeah, I think a 3.5 feels fair to me. Okay, fair enough. But all right, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today we are talking about Session 9 from 2001. This film was directed by Brad Anderson, written by Brad Anderson and Stephen Gevedon, um, starring Stephen Gevedon as Mike, David Caruso as Phil, Josh Lucas as Hank, Brendan Sexton III as Jeff, and Peter Mullen as Gordon. An asbestos abatement crew consisting of Mike, Phil, Hank, Jeff, and Gordon win a bid for an abandoned insane asylum. The catch? They only have one week to do the job. And what starts as a routine assignment quickly devolves into madness after a member of the crew goes missing. Insert big boxes of Oreos, really red roses, and the secret stash for my coin collection here. Our film concludes with division spreading amongst the group as they try to rally and finish their job. Will they manage to meet their deadline? or? Will the remaining crew lose their minds here like so many before them? Also, hello, Gordon. Roll credits. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? We were singing two different songs, but it works. I, every time, <laughs> every time. Um. Also, we'll probably fumble saying the word asbestos at least so much a couple of times in this video in this video it already (laughs) fucked me up (laughs) girl we tired (laughs) my apologies
<laughs> I've been breathing in the fumes. So sorry. <laughs> but I will say, uh, just straight off the bat, I didn't write this as a note. Three separate times in this film, I audibly said, what the fuck? is going on <laughs> not in a bad way i want to be clear that's right. not in a way of me saying what is this movie more in a way of me having no idea what is happening in the real in reality mm-hmm. and what is happening in the asylum and what is happening with the characters it was like good what it was a good confusion but I, I, I hardly ever audibly say that, and I did many times within this film. Which I think is fair. Like, this particular movie is what we in the biz like to call a mind fuck. There is a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff happening in here, both, again, like psychologically with these characters versus the situation that we're in. I think one of the big pros right off the bat it taking place in this asylum that all also kind of plays a character in and of itself, um, I think is very fitting because a lot of this movie feels like a descent into madness. As a viewer, I was kind of going crazy along with the characters themselves. And I thought that that was a good thing. I, although I do enjoy me a linear story, do like it when other stories can tell their version in a way that is off kilter, I guess, mm-hmm. or it's just it's it's different than the norm because yeah. it's kind of fun to struggle to figure out what's happening. Like, yes, it's cool to like know the beats and understand the formula, but with a film like this, you really have to just strap in and go along with things. I agree. So one final chance for you, homies, if you have any any feeling that you might want to watch this movie and you haven't. I do think that this is a really fun movie to go in with and learn the answers along the way with the film. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend going before listening to our episode. However, if you don't mind spoilers and continue on, um, because there was a moment in time where I thought I knew like, I thought I had guessed what was going to happen in this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought, even even after it was kind of revealed, I thought, I was kind of right. But I wasn't. And so, <laughs> even that was, like, even, it, it still had me basically up until the last 10 minutes when they finally do the grand reveal. I They still had me thinking I knew what was going on, and I still didn't know what was going on. <laughs> but I would love to know, Roshane... What is in your notebook? The first thing I got in my notebook is, oh, Gordon, you got that new parent smell all over you right now. The level of fatigue that this man seems to be suffering. I've seen this level of fatigue before, and (laughs) it definitely comes with that, you know, having a new one enter in your life Mm -hmm. and the amount of responsibility and stress and whatnot that comes along with, with that. I just feel like the character gave me all of that in a single look. And I give him credit for that. Well, and what's interesting about Gordon and his situation that we will learn throughout the film is, yes, he's having a little bit of a rough time at home with he has a newborn who has had an ear infection for a while, has been very fussy. Yeah, rough. And so has been very fussy. And so it seems like he hasn't really been getting very much sleep. We also will come to discover that 
he needs to get some jobs. They need to have some jobs as the, as a company. Otherwise, he's going to run out of money. And yeah. so that's part of the desperation that leads him to push to get this job, whether it's done correctly and done safely or not. But what we will also learn about Gordon is that he apparently didn't even really want to have a kid. And mm -hmm. it was something that he has grown to enjoy and to like, but was not something that he had planned for himself, which is fine. People change their minds. But I think that whole idea and the way that they talk about Gordon and how he is this calm demeanor who never shows anything and everything is really locked beneath the surface and he never loses his cool mixed with the place he is in his life and the stress that he probably feels now having to take care of a family that maybe he didn't entirely want. I think that all of that culminates in the perfect mixture of why he is the one that ends up dealing with the possession or why he is the one who kind of gets overtaken by this thing is because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody's going through something, but Gordon is the only one seemingly out of these guys that doesn't really have a another prop like something on the horizon that he could yeah, do. Yeah, what, what was it called? Their, their like, exit yeah, plan? like their escape plan or their exit plan is what Mike calls it, or not Mike, um, Hank, Hank calls it. He's gonna go back, finish law school, pass the bar, get the big juicy cases. Make his dad proud. <laughs> That's his exit plan. Phil, Jesus. Phil's got his stress reducer. He's got his plan. I'm sure he'll tell you about it someday. And there's Uncle Gordo. Hey, do you know if he didn't get this gig, he'd have to fold HEC? Yeah, and he can't even have an exit plan. Fiber has always been his life. It was over there, it is here. Imagine that stress. Hey, let me tell you something, buddy. You better hope, hope you got some of Gordo's genes, though, because Gordo, Jesus, Gordo is the Zen master of calm. <laughs> I never seen old Gordo lose it. I don't know, though, man. Last few months, Gordo, I'm seeing some cracks, you know? I worry. Mikey knows what I'm talking about, right, Mikey? He does have the new baby and all. Should be the joy of his life, dude. All right. Actually, you know what? That leads to another note. Could we have varied these names a little bit? These are the most PB&J, no. like, white dude names. Hank and Mike. But then also Phil and Bill, that was... <laughs> that one, to me, seemed a little bit rude because... Phil and Bill, and the way that they keep saying each other's names and going back and forth in that beginning scene. Ridley, call him it Bob. Took, like, personality and look-wise, they're all different and varied, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, like, actual names, I had to hear those names, like, three times before they finally stuck to one oh, of the faces. for sure. Because it's giving Phil and Lil, like you said, Hank and Mike are very close. Gordy, Gordon, I feel like is the only one that really... Kind of stands out. Yeah. And then there's Jeff, you know, 
that's <laughs> Jeff. Jeff's Jeff's there as well. But yeah. yes, we will. I will do my best to try and keep them all separated <laughs> in my mind. But yeah, he's the only one who doesn't have the ability to just uproot his life and change and go to something different. And so, even though it's you meet him, you really like him. I think right off the bat because of kind of the gentle of him and what he's going through in his life all of that is also what makes him susceptible to what happens in comparison to all of the other men that he is with yeah the setup to this is they as erica said really need this job to keep the company above water gordon is willing to do and say whatever it takes to get this job um which also includes condensing the amount of time that they're going to have to work on this job or this operation. Now, granted, this is a world that I know nothing about. I do not know the time frames of how long this kind of stuff takes, how much work, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing that I know just from watching this film is the building that they are working on is gigantic. And, and so the idea that these guys have taken what should be like at minimum, they say a three-week job and condensing it into a single week puts a lot of pressure on this team to get everything mm-hmm. done. Yeah, for sure. And then only five of them, not only only five of them, but one brand new guy. Because Jeff has never yeah. done this before. This is his first job as he's being pulled into <laughs> this ginormous building to mm-hmm. work at a deadline that should not be allowed. Not only that, Gordon didn't say shit. They already are on the job. They are on their lunch break. And Gordon and Phil say, oh, hey, by the way, we do have to have this done in a week. But there's a bonus, so that's fine. Huh? I, I mean, <laughs> truly, it. It's. I don't think it's... Po- I, even if all of this stuff wasn't happening... I just simply do not think it's possible unless they stayed overnight and did things consistently from sunrise to midnight. Mm -hmm. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And now granted those scenes of them working that we do see, it does seem like they, they know what they're doing. Like they, they are busting their ass to try and get this job done as far as I can tell. And so it's like, it's not a case of these guys aren't effective at what they do. It's just they're working under like what seem to be near impossible deadlines here to try yeah. and get this done. And despite like the reveal happening that is like, hey, by the way, you only get a week, but we get a little bit of extra money. The team for the most part still is just like, all right, well, we're already here. So mm-hmm. let's get it done. Um, still impressive. Um, but again, this is just another thing that I think is on the long list of different variables that cause the situation to go wrong. Along with this deadline, it's also very quickly revealed that despite the fact that these guys have seemingly been working together for a very long time, because of that, there's a lot of interpersonal connections between them. Mm-hmm. A huge one being that Hank very proudly stole Phil's girl and loves to bring it up at mm. any opportunity, it seems like. Yeah, the original Mr. Silio girl. <laughs> he And the fact that he only really keeps her around now just because it pisses Phil off. Mm-hmm. He has no <laughs> regard for this woman. Not that she's, I, mean, I don't know, the exact 
situation around how that relationship deteriorated. The fact of the matter is, like, I don't know if she broke up with Phil before starting to get with Hank or if there was a cheating scenario there. Mm -hmm. All that matters is that she was with Phil and left him for Hank. Yeah. And that is a huge, huge deal, obviously, in between the two of them. The workplace. It's a little bit a chip on their shoulders. It kind of pisses Phil off, I think, to Basically even breathe <laughs> in the presence of Hank. And Hank loves it. Yeah, he, he eats thrives. it up. He loves He's every second of it. Thriving on the drama. So the two of them have animosity. This group dynamic and characterization is interesting to me simply because you have to wonder how much of the way that they're being is the way that they are or if it's the way that Gordon is viewing these kind of like altercations and confrontations and also if them themselves are also being affected by the hospital because it seems that they are obviously not to the level of gordon like no way no how but we we do see sometimes when they are separate and they're having interactions and stuff like that a lot of the heated moments that they have gordon is present and we know from the end we know that he was different (laughs) gordon was already affected from the tour yeah from from the first time that he heard simon's voice he was gone it was a wrap so everything that we see of these guys except for phil phil is the only person that we get to see before that happens and phil does seem like a much more understanding caring person in that beginning than he seems throughout the rest of the film. And you have to wonder if that's because Gordon is seeing things as more like heated and agitated than they potentially might be. Yeah. And I kind of wonder that myself because like Phil is an interesting character in that way Mm -hmm. where at first, yeah, he does come across as just like the, you know, right-hand man, like, he's there to, like, help get the job done. Like, of course, he and Gordon, you can assume, have a pretty good uh, relationship overall. As we get deeper into the movie, like, we do find out that there's a level of resentment that Phil has. Again, not really sure how much of that is Phil and how much of that is the hospital itself. I mean, he doesn't want Hank to work with them at all anymore, it seems like. And, like, he's looking for any opportunity to get him out of there. Yeah. He make mentions to Mike, who is the other person on the crew, who seems to be the most well-adjusted out of everyone. The most neutral. The most neutral of the crew. Uh, We got Mike. But, like, he expressed his feelings to Mike about how their past jobs have gone bad because of the situation with Gordon and his home life. And like, you can tell that he's been sitting on a lot of this Mm -hmm. stuff and like whether or not it was actively bothering him before they got to the hospital, I don't really know. But like, it was one of those things where you can tell that he's been harboring some thoughts and feelings for a minute. And like this particular situation seemed to just kind of push those things to the surface. For sure. There is an element of him where it seems like he thinks that he could potentially lead better Mm -hmm. than Gordon could. 
at this point in time, he's not wrong, but that is because <laughs> Gordon is having just a, a slip that is really starting to bleed into his work. And it's so in the end, we see when we find out that it's Gordon and we do the flashbacks, we do see that although it initially looked like Phil came in kind of guns a blazing, aggressive to confront Gordon. When we see what really happened, that wasn't the case. Phil came in pretty kind of scared and concerned and approached his friend in a sort of, hey, what's going on manner? And not a, hey, <laughs> I'm going to slice you up manner. So it's, it's, it's hard to know how much of what we see is the way that they really are being. Because there is some, a time when Phil gets kind of intense. Yeah. Leading up to this, Phil is off his rocker, in my opinion. He's mm -hmm. doing the most. But we really don't know how much of that is real. And I think you're right. It, it This place feels like it kind of brings up people's worst traits about themselves. Yeah. Maybe not worst traits. That's not fair. But it just brings up just parts of them. Things. Yeah. Because Mike seems like the type of person who gets really, really invested in studying and learning things. He has all these wells of information that he decides it's appropriate to talk about at maybe times that it's not. And mm. that's something that ends up being kind of his main character like point in this film is he's the one who listens to all the tapes. And, and it's yeah. that obsession with listening to the tapes that pushes our story forward. And then Hank seems to have a little bit of a gambling kind of an issue and and dreams of bigger and better things and he decides to steal from the hospital not say anything to anybody that ends up putting him there at a bad time jeff jeff is just a nephew <laughs> to be honest jeff is just scared i mean he's always kind of scary in this movie anytime the dark gets but jeff to me seems to be the only character that doesn't get affected and maybe that's because of how he how he is as, as a person yeah he doesn't have any stake in any claim and what it's is going like, yeah, on i was just looking for a summer job bro it ain't that Truly. deep for me <laughs> jeff is just kind of hanging out and once again wrong place wrong time but my favorite thing about phil is the whole lead up to they have these kids come in and it looks like there's this nefarious drug deal going on. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that <laughs> Phil is doing weed. It, it, they make <laughs> it seem like my man is on the heaviest drugs <laughs> that he could possibly be on. It's super shady. He's doing it in the back behind the walls. And, and Gordon makes a big deal about it. And Phil like sweaty and, <laughs> and irritated when he confronts him. And then we cut to him in his car. He is smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. It was pretty funny. And it was really funny. Partially made me like Phil more because I was like, you know what, Phil? You I feel like at this point in the job, you probably need this man. Chill out yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It cracked me up. <laughs> okay. It was giving very much like not even once <laughs> kind of <laughs> vibes. I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> not it Phil was... rolling a joint. <laughs> I know. that. I mean, that was a pretty funny point. But yeah, there's 
So, like, a lot of this movie, and what's kind of trippy about it, is the fact that, like, you do have all of these little bits and moments happening, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a pretty linear progression of time, which I'm kind of thankful for that, um, because we needed something to ground us in reality, I think. So, like, having the days pop up and just knowing that they have a week is just very helpful to stay on course with this one. Um, but, yeah, like, the movie itself feels like just a collection of different moments that happen while they're working yeah with very strange context behind them like stuff like the drug deal right is like we'll have a very intense scene with gordon that will just button with him looking out a window and seeing this weird interaction that phil is having with people that he doesn't know mm-hmm. or you'll have characters like Say they're going to go do one thing and end up in a completely different part of the hospital, like immersed in something that caught their eye. And it's just like a lot of like following these characters go into areas that you're like, you, I, I know you're working, but I kind of wish you wouldn't go in there for your safety. Right. Um, but, you know, is the nature of these kinds of movies. Right. It has to happen. Also, one final film moment that is my favorite is <laughs> when... They go to look for Hank and they go to split up. And at first, Gordon is going to take Jeff. And then it's like the way that Phil says, fuck you. Like he like, <laughs> he, you. did you know? Yeah. It's like, did you notice yeah. the way that he extended the you? Mm-hmm. I was dying. <laughs> it was I so mean, good. everything was so dramatic at that point. We had reached like the, the top of the incline for the drama and the heightenedness of each of their characters. But the way that he said, fuck you, you. <laughs> it just tickled something in my brain. It's true. Like, Phil can be frustrating at times, but he is kind of like the people's champ in terms of like characters to watch in this one. Just because like yeah. his interactions for me were just very interesting. Yeah. Um, but I mean, kind of circling over to Mike a bit more, despite the fact that he is mm-hmm. the neutral one. Um, like you said, he is moving kind of our subplot along, which he is listening to the tapes um, from previous people who were here. This whole thing taking place at the Danvers State Hospital, which a lot of people do know, being both a good and a bad, um, I guess, monument to America's journey with mental health and like mm-hmm. institutions of that sort and like how we were kind of handling these these things back then. Um, This place kind of served for a very long time as like the staple place for that. Um, So with that um, and with some of the controversies that happened, it wound up becoming abandoned. And although in reality, a lot of these files and whatnot obviously either got lost or transferred somewhere else, like for our story, some of them still remain. So it allows Mike, who um, on this side is, I guess, considering studying studying law, like that was his Mm -hmm. other passion. Um, through like his dad so like he now kind of has a little bit of an inkling to kind of chase the law the law world but it's through it's through mike that we learn about the mary character who was a previous patient here um, that suffered from disassociative identity disorder had multiple people living in her um if you've seen that what's the one movie with um oh uh, uh split split mm-hmm. split yeah if you've seen split that sort of idea Um, We have this character who has several different people living inside of her, 
Um, but through these tapes, we find out that the doctor is trying to unlock a very specific memory of an incident that happens between her and her family. Um, we spend a majority of this movie wanting to know what happens, but we don't find out until, of course, session nine, um, what actually happens there. But it's through this that we get kind of a bit of foreshadowing in terms of like things that are going to be affecting our characters. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the big ones being this ominous Simon personality yeah. that is, from our understanding, the one responsible for whatever happened to Mary on that specific night. Um, but will also come into play with our present characters um, in some way, shape, or form. Because it seems like this Simon figure was with Mary, but kind of operates more as like its own separate entity. The patient is showing extreme agitation. She is putting her fingers in her mouth. Mary. Mary. Have you seen our doll, Mr. Doctor? Who am I speaking with? Mary got a China doll from her mommy, and we can't find it now. No, Princess, I haven't seen it. Maybe Billy knows where your China doll is. Uh, silly, silly. <laughs> Princess, tell me what happened on Christmas 22 years ago in Lowell. We got presents. Mary got a pretty China doll. And Peter got a big old knife. <laughs> then what happened? Mary's mommy and daddy went to sleep and then we played upstairs <laughs> peter turned off the light and hid and mary tried to find them who played upstairs princess mary and peter <laughs> and me and silly silly has billy told you what happened next billy only tells me nice things, Mr. Doctor, like that I'm pretty. Princess, was Simon there that night? Simon? Oh, I don't know any Simon. Billy's never told you about Simon? No. Mary Hobbs, by the way, is her full name. Just Thanks, looked it up. I <laughs> could not remember the last name. But yeah, what I think I do, what I do like about what they did with that, because I do think it's tr it can be tricky when you bring real life disorders and um, illnesses in media are most times exaggerated, I think, particularly in horror films. So it's always like, think a little bit of a delicate balance when you include actual even just like like real cases yeah and stuff like into that. play because it's just i feel like just the way that you handle it can kind of you know either muddy up a story or, or give you a bad taste in your mouth etc what it seems like kind of with what you said is yes simon is seemingly more of an entity or spirit or just some kind of evil force that can enter people and he says that enters the weak and the wounded and the willing and then 
kind of work through them to do things that maybe their, you know, their worst dreams or their worst nightmares they would do, but through mm-hmm. him they can do. And so through that that's what's happening is that it's not the person anymore. It is literally Simon who is entering that person and, and causing them to do these things. And it almost seems like in Mary's case that as a result of, because it seems like this is probably what's going to happen to Gordon too, is it feels like as a result of what happened that night with Mary and she got so angry and like her brother did this thing to her that made her so upset and that hurt her so bad that she let Simon in. And then as a result, she killed her entire family. You almost have to wonder if, because they talk a lot about uh, repressed memories and like the way that your mind deals with that and what that can do. It almost feels like maybe that is what caused her to have these other like personalities is a way for her to, kind of repress and forget about what happened because we see with Gordon that he is not Gordon himself has to wake up to even remember exactly what happened. And even then it's like how much of him is him now and what bit of him is Simon. And he's still trying to, he still doesn't remember that any of that stuff had happened. And Phil is also a part of Gordon. Now Phil is like part of Gordon's personality because he's talking to Phil and having these full conversations with him. And Phil has been dead. <laughs> Phil dead. Like, Gordon killed Phil a day ago. And he still <laughs> sat there having this back and forth with, with him. And you have to wonder if now that's just going to be another thing where he uses that to repress what happened and what he did mm-hmm. when Simon was kind of a part control. of him. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I what I really like about... Uh, Peter Mullen's performance here and the direction here with this character is I think with the setup at the beginning of him just being fatigued and like mm-hmm. already kind of being out of it right it makes it hard to tell when Gordon's actually losing it because we never really saw him have it at any point <laughs> in the movie you know right. what I mean mm-hmm. like he's always kind of either staring off somewhere or just like lost in thought like every time that we come back to gordon he seems like he is just in a completely different place mentally yeah and like for a good half of the movie you're trying to figure out like is that a symptom of being here is that a symptom of his outside life like is it a symptom of this job being just kind of crazy and impossible like what's kind of causing that in him but for me, it was played in such a way where it's just like it felt like a, a, just a person being burdened by something very heavy. And like it didn't play as like, oh, this motherfucker is just crazy. Like right. there, it, it, it was much more a slow decline and a gradual decline that e- even you as the audience member, I think, are questioning in the moment if it's actually happening. Because right. like. He'll be very distant and like disassociated in one moment. But then when he's like interacting with the other characters, it kind of seems like he snaps back to reality, especially like when he's talking to his nephew and stuff like that. Like it seems like Gordon comes back for like a split second. But then quickly next scene, he's obviously lost in La La Land once again. Right. It's like he catches himself 
and then is in a very he's but he when he catches himself it's like he's still in a moment of time that no longer exists yeah in the sense of he's still calling his wife and having conversations with her seemingly and the way that it's played it seems like she's just not receptive to what he's saying when in reality there's nobody there the line is empty <laughs> the reveal of the phone super dope um also i love that callback because it, it mirrors the situation earlier when phil is talking to presumably amy on the phone after hank's disappearance which was like a big inciting incident and later on gordon calls him out because we never hear what amy says on the other line we only hear phil's side mm -hmm. of things so how do we know what's happening on the phone i love how that comes back around to like apply to gordon yeah. and, and his situation with his wife all of that stems from the big kind of inciting incident where hank does find this stash underground decides to go in overnight which they're strictly told not to by gordon that only go during daytime hours but he goes in overnight finds the stash and he's going to go basically take all of it and then probably just ditch the job mm -hmm. and leave um i will say going back to our scare scale this is one of the moments that did scare me because one miss me with that i don't care how much money is down there mm -hmm. you would never see me go down there on my own in the middle of the no. night armed with just a flashlight you must be out with a flashlight mind. and a walkman please and like <laughs> how, how, he had his headphones in the whole time i said not the jazz music is more important <laughs> to you than listening out for literally anything, anything anything critters people even if you're not scared of the possibility of this place being haunted how many times have they said oh yeah we get squatters we get people shooting guns blah blah blah, blah. you're still gonna go in there and have your both headphones in no music is worth <laughs> is worth that because you don't even need to be listening to music to be to be stealing none of that but like that that whole sequence gave me like ghost hunter vibes yeah. and like all of that where it's like people get dared to go into places like this mm -hmm. not willingly so you know what hank braver than me but obviously stupider too because this is how you get taken out right um but that whole sequence to me was very frightening especially like as he's on his way out like just kind of like going through the dark hallway and just not being able to see what's at either end like forward or back like that shit scared me mm -hmm. like that that part got me for sure yeah i thought sequence was super successful and what i like about that too is even learning later what we learn because he passes by and he sees that jar of peanut butter and at first i thought mm -hmm. why is that there why <laughs> but it makes sense because you come to realize that honestly gordon probably was staying overnight at the hotel if when he wasn't in his van hospital hospital the hotel it was a hotel for him <laughs> true a hotel true. for gordon a hospital for everybody else. for everyone else my bad well he was checked in <laughs> probably presumably <laughs> and probably staying there um when he wasn't in his van so it would make sense that that would be there because he would probably mm -hmm. still be eating food and also like moments where you see like that one scene where there's all that blood up under his fingernails i remember being confused about that but it's probably like, because happen? he ice picked hank the night mm -hmm. before and didn't think to clean his hands because he probably like woke up out of his 
kind of sleepwalking state and didn't realize what he had done and just has blood all over his fingernails. And so little things like that, I think, work really well because it kind of tips you off to the fact that Gordon that it's Gordon. That's yeah, the thing like, about once it. Once you know it, you know it. But like right. until you know it, it's almost hard to like specifically nail down that it's him. Right. Because that's the thing about it is I feel like from the jump, this movie basically says it's Gordon. Because mm-hmm. even the fact that he's hearing the voice and that all these things are happening and he changes so drastically from beginning to even the third day, he's a very different person. And so, and there, yeah, like those, all those little sprinklings, if you really pay attention, it's so clear that it's Gordon. But I think you're right. Even though you know that, Gordon just still doesn't feel like he can be doing these things and that he could get away with them. And Phil feels so much like that. So once you get to that final day and Phil is being so intense, it, it's just you. I mean, I immediately switched. I was like, oh, it, I thought it was a red herring. I thought Gordon had been the red herring the whole time. We thought it was Gordon, but they were after Phil. That's what I right. thought. And I and I was just so confused. I mean, one of the first times that I wrote, I did write I am confusion. And that was when Gordon brings the flowers and the stuff in and his wife. Mm-hmm in that weird echoey voice says all that stuff to him and then it cuts to a scream and glass shattering and things like that it's i mean erica it was there (laughs) it was so (laughs) obvious it's like yeah he he did some he some bad happened but for some the the framing of it and the way that we keep going back to it and the way that everybody is so affected seemingly by what is happening it just makes it so that everybody feels on the same level and so you don't think one person is worse off than they are and you're right gordon has always seemed a little off balance and so maybe he's just showing it more extremely but Mm -hmm. he's no worse off than phil (laughs) yeah who's also got his things that he's dealing with and like i very much for a, a bunch of this movie thought that this was going to be some sort of a group thing where it's like yeah. the group deteriorating, not a single individual. But as you said, it is very, very obvious once you've seen the movie all the way through mm-hmm. all the clues that are sprinkled in that it's Gordon the entire time. Um, it's all there. But again, the movie does a good job of kind of hiding that while still in plain sight. It it, it There's enough that's just so off kilter that it's hard to track these things in real time um but that's the fun part it's it's fun to try and kind of figure out this mystery um alongside these characters and having that kind of artificial time limit at least for us is nice too because like as each day goes by you just know like all right things are gonna ramp up it's gonna start getting a little bit crazier like what's gonna happen on this next day like that excitement, I think, kind of propelled me through this one um, because like it is not it's not like super long movie, but it's got a little bit of length to it. Um, and as I said before, like I do think before Hank's disappearance, the pacing is on the slower side just because a lot yeah. of it is just kind of watching them work with the sprinkles yeah. of just some weird shit happening occasionally. 
For sure. And I think that's where that tension comes in for me is because, yeah, you're kind of waiting for something to happen and it doesn't. Not really at first. It's more of just discovering little things within the building. But because the issue is Gordon, it's not like things are going to be happening because it's not like there's multiple ghosts running around, moving things. throw. It's not that sort of a thing. No. It is very reliant on the fact that Gordon is what's wrong here. And so there is a lot of time where... We don't have background scares. So then we're just building up the tension and prepping ourselves and believing that there will be when in reality there is not. So a lot of this time is just kind of, you're right, watching these guys work, kind of getting to know them and kind of also getting to watch them deteriorate as a team. Once again, we don't know what the teamwork was like beforehand. There's seemingly been animosity within the group for a a while, but we kind of get to watch that front row seat and see them do their day to day. I think the biggest thing with that is the fall, the falling out of Phil and Gordon who seemingly be are seemingly the closest, at least out of everyone kind of watching the two of them fall apart and trying to figure out why it's happening so quickly and what comes from that. Also the tapes, I mean the, Listening to the tapes with Mike mm-hmm. is also very chilling. Yeah, it's also interesting to like kind of be in his perspective and learn things day to day with him and have him listening. I, one of my favorite things about the tape sessions and when they play them is I love when the tape continues to play over footage of them doing other things, like over footage of them working. There's actually a lot of that in this movie is like a voiceover. So someone will be having a conversation and while that's happening, you'll hear their voiceover while we're getting shots of the other guys because it does give you this feeling of everything that's happening here is hanging over their heads and that they're totally intertwined with what's happening. And so even if they're not maybe involved, even if they're not in this conversation, even if they're not listening to this tape, they are still part of this. And mm-hmm. it kind of gives you that feeling of, oh, I'm about to see this guy die in like four days. I I, I know it. <laughs> he's happy. He's happy. He's laughing at a bar. I Yeah, he's he going to die. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, something about that makes them feel kind of like you said, like it's a group thing. They're really all tied in with it, which, of course, is helpful to the mystery of the movie. But then I think also it's kind of unfortunate when you think of the fact that they Jeff would. Jeff didn't want to be there. Yeah, it is. It's trash. Jeff didn't want to be there. Also, shout out to Craig who got called in. Oh, Last yeah. minute to work a job, said, I'll do it. Shows up, immediately choked out in ice cream. <laughs> That's crazy. I will be damned. <laughs> and he was oh, so excited to be there, too. I know. It's actually kind of, like, sad. I don't... Jeff Jeff and Craig, to me, are the true unfortunate casualties mm-hmm. of this film. Not to say that everybody else decided to die, but the two of them were really, like I said, the least affected by this place. And so we're just still... If, 
seemingly felt very naive and like innocent about the entire situation. Mm-hmm. Like Jeff was eating Oreos. He was eating when an he Oreo. Got <laughs> he just had a traumatic <laughs> experience. Which, that was my favorite scene. His that, se- his sequence. Which like. Okay, like one, the like lights going out and him running, like all that's really dope. And like his whole sequence is very Mm -hmm. tense. Like you're worried for Jeff that entire time. And I think they did a fantastic job of that. What's hilarious to me about it is like his enemy in his situation was literally just the dark. Like there was nothing else that was, I mean, and and the asbestos too. Like that that played in there because we saw that like he inhaled a bit of it, but like, his whole thing, that whole sequence up until he actually does get taken out, felt like one big, huge red herring. Because, like, yeah. the whole time you're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen to Jeff down in these tunnels? Oh, shit, he took a wrong turn. He went down the wrong tunnel. Now he's heading to this different spot. What's going to happen to Jeff? And then he just pops out and runs to the truck. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because it's like Jeff just still had to overcome just the fear that he had. Yeah, so he also has a phobia of the dark. Again, if you've mm-hmm. made it this far and don't know. Yeah. Nyctophobia. Thank you. Um, Yeah, that's what he is literally just battling. It's, he's fighting the dark. It, <laughs> that's all it is. And I think, though, that sequence, I think that's part of the reason that that sequence feels so good is because to be honest all of our characters at that moment aren't battling anything no but it feels like they because are because we don't but know all, yet right. what the danger really is but we're like yes. we're about to find out like i think we can mm-hmm. all feel it so you're just watching them kind of just operate in this space and that almost feels just as scary as if there was things happening. Mm-hmm. Just because, yes, there is so much tension at this point in time. They have all separated and they all feel like they're on sort of a different mission. <laughs> and watching them each navigate this mission while session nine, the final tape is playing, it just feels this dread is just hanging over the entire building. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, watching Jeff out, try and outrun the dark. <laughs> so good. At the end of the day, feels like the most tense shit I've ever seen. But I also think it's because Jeff in that moment is us. It's the audience. Mm-hmm. Because he has no flashlight, no light, and is about to be trapped in the dark in the basement of an old run down falling apart asbestos filled <laughs> hospital and so even in a normal circumstance this is the worst case in, like it feels horrifying yeah and so you really do feel like jeff in that moment despite the fact that there's some maybe more pressing things going on around you but you don't know that also the design of the hall with all of those like gloves Oh, that was so good. That looks amazing. That long hallway with all of that. And yeah, that shot just of the dark catching up to him. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was fabulous. And also gave a lot of MVP points to Phil for just like fun moments in the movie. But I got to give one to Mike in his fuck this shit I'm out moment (laughs) when he's with Gordon. And he's like, you know what? Not this guy's lost it. I'm out of here. 
I love that bit. He's yes. like, oh, uh, I think I hear something down this way. You keep going. I'll catch up mm-hmm. with you. But I, I think I hear. And then the moment he walks away, he's like, fuck this shit, bro. Right. <laughs> Which honestly probably at least saves his life for a little bit longer. A little I mean, bit, he yeah. still dies, but not in that moment because he decides to split off from Gordon. But also he, like I said, is so invested in these tapes. He just has to know how it ends. So it's like a book. It's like a good book. True, Can't put it down. True. And he was he, he was at the last chapter though, so I don't blame him. He, he was. He got that deep in there. I'd want to hear how it ended too. He was, and you know what? He saw it through, but he was he was really nosy. I mean, I get it. <laughs> he was he was interested in that stuff from the minute they got there. He knew all these stories, knew all this information, but yeah, he was nosy as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm like, that's a real person. Yeah. going through her he her was case just practicing bio. for the bar exam that's all he was how, trying to get his points straight how was that related uh look i'm not in law so that's not for me to say but what they gonna he, he never he is never gonna reference case <laughs> number 444 with mary hobbs mm-hmm. um also they did a great job of like incorp like once you got the 444 and then like the reveal of that number in places where mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things was also kind of a red herring, but also not because it's a little bit tied into the whole Simon idea where, okay, so session nine, um, throughout these sessions, we're hearing the multiple personalities of Mary, um, from princess to Billy to all these things that are kind of like keeping her memory repressed. Um, but all of these different personalities are afraid of Simon. Um, this last session, we finally meet Simon, very calm, collected, eerie voice, um definitely played very well also shout outs to both uh lonnie farmer and jurian hughes who were voices um on the tape uh we get this chilling rendition of like who simon is and what his mo is which is basically as erica said earlier kind of letting your inhibitions run free he really does just kind of take the reins during heightened emotion or Mm. moments of vulnerability slash weakness and he does kind of whatever he wants. And in the case of Mary, it is, you know, slicing up her brother and both of her parents. Yeah. Um, and then in the case of Gordon, it is lobotomizing half of his crew and slicing up the rest of them. Yeah. And um, killing his wife and his baby and, and a dog. Yeah. And murdering his entire family and, you know, the household good boy as well. Yeah. Um, Simon... He wreaks havoc once he has taken over you. Um, and we see that full form in Gordon during the last kind of recollection moment where we kind of see all the stuff that happened in real time, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And I, so I had some like kind of varying feelings on um, how we kind of revealed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I am curious to know how you felt about the full reveal, but. Also, just really quickly, because it was in that last little bit, um, I did think that it was very cool that the mode of operation for Simon Gordon was to like lobotomize mm-hmm. people, seeing as Danvers is known for kind of being the birthplace of the prefrontal prefrontal lobe lobotomy. Yeah. So like incorporating that somewhere in the story, I appreciate that. I think that's pretty cool. Um but yeah, how did you review? How did you feel overall about like the reveal of it? It was Gordon the entire, the entire time. time. Yeah. 
Also about the lobotomizing thing, I do like that they preface that with that whole thing with Mike and Jeff and mm-hmm. explaining that. And then from that moment on, yeah, that's what he does to everybody. Also because like Hank finds it and decides that it's cool and says, I'm going to keep this. And then it gets used against him. But I liked it. I did like the reveal. I liked the way that it unfolded. I was glad that we got the flashbacks. And I feel like this is a great example of an idea where it shows that it doesn't always have to be like a gaggle of ghouls and that sometimes the real life situation is what plays with the audience and can be equally as successfully terrifying. I feel like we joke a lot about, oh, even if it wasn't this situation, it would be still scary. What if you're worried about you know, just these people walking around or what have you. And that's what it ends up being is it's literally just Gordon, just some guy walking around. It's it's the the scenario that we always go back to of still being scary, but being less likely usually in horror movies like this. And so I think that it's cool that we do boil down to the bare bones of what this fear of the dark and abandoned spaces is is the idea of just someone with a bad nefarious plan roaming around there is something that is a little bit i i it left me wanting a little bit just the way that we continue to get this kind of a very choppy ah, you know when he would attack people and it was kind of like they would they would turn around or they'd be approaching him and then it would oh, yeah, cut. Yeah, like the POV. Yeah, I don't know that I that it was my favorite thing, but mm-hmm. I still liked the idea of kind of going back and seeing what it was like, knowing that it was Gordon on the other on the other end. I think my favorite version of that was with Hank because it makes so much sense the way that he reacted and how he was like, what are you doing here? And how yeah, it, like that whole thing, yeah, like... how it's Gordon on the other end. I thought that was cool. And I mean, even with Jeff, cause he, he does go to like seemingly hug the person hug, yeah. and, and it makes a lot of sense when you find out that it's Gordon, but yeah, I liked that. I loved that. It was like he had kind of taken them and put them all into their own rooms. Like they were patients mm-hmm. and, had now he was in Mary's room and was in his own seclusion room and the whole like wake up idea and how he kind of woke up and realized everything that he had done. And it's like, okay, now we're, we're back to Gordon. And it's like, what do we do with that? I I think that that is a cool idea. I feel like it comes full circle and I think it makes a lot of sense And I even like that we don't see what happened in the house. I like that we just hear it. Yeah. I thought that that was was a a really good choice. Honestly, that's probably the best thing that you could do considering who the victims were because I didn't really want to see that and how like all of his pictures were stuck up on the wall. I think the way that it all came together worked really, really well for me in the grand scheme of things. I do Mm -hmm. think that this to me is maybe the time when I do wish maybe that it was just a little less choppy, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it makes sense that it is because of the fact that it's Gordon having these flashes of what happened. What happened? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of feel you there because like for me, it was my, for whatever reason, my initial gut reaction to just it being revealed to be Gordon Mm -hmm. was kind of disappointed. And the reason, the reason for that was, I think somewhere in me, I hope that this was going to be one of those movies that didn't fully tell you in the end what happened. Mm-hmm. And like, I think because the mystery was so strong for the majority of the film, I really thought that we were going to end on some kind of cliffhanger trying to piece together ourselves who is the true danger here and who is responsible for everything. Mm. So that was my that was my kind of like inkling going into the ending. Right. And so when it initially hit and we started getting the reveal, there was a little bit of disappointment there. But it did wash away because I kind of agree that I think everything ties up well mm-hmm. in the end. I just like this is not it's not really a con. It's just I'm figuring out for me on a personal level, which I would have preferred to have a more open ended ending or the one that we get that is very much like, no, it is Gordon that's responsible for everything that happened. Here is mm-hmm. the answer to this movie long mystery that we've had. Uh, for me personally, I am really actually happy that we got an answer just because of the story that was being told. I think maybe if we were telling, if the tapes weren't included and this was more of a general, this place is evil sense, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of almost the tagline, but it's, I to me... That is true to a certain degree, but this is not a case where the place is just haunted by all these spirits because really Simon just lives in it. This is like Simon's home and mm-hmm. that's why. I think if that was the case, I would have been okay with a more open-ended. But because of the whole thing with Mary and the way that they're tying that in, I do think that it was important that we got a clearer answer of at least what was behind everything. And it makes yeah. sense that it was tied it was, to like just the one person rather. Yeah. It, it truly was yeah. for the best. Um, it just like, that was my yeah. initial reaction going in. I was like, Oh, okay. It, it's more of like cut and dry. Like uh, it was Gordon, um, which again, going saying it a billion times, but like going back, in hindsight, it's just so clearly Gordon that, like, by the end, it would be kind of weird if it wasn't revealed that it was him. But they do throw you off a little bit there with Phil. I I, I do think mm-hmm. that they did enough with him where you do start to question yourself. So maybe even if you knew it was Gordon the whole time, you think, okay, well, maybe something else is going on here. So that was good. One question, when Jeff sees Hank standing up at the top of the stairs that's really hank but then he's downstairs or like naked (laughs) not that long later that was the only part that i was a little bit confused on (laughs) i feel like that for me was just kind of played for horror's sake you know what i mean that's what that struck me as but i'm of the belief that yes it was just hank and he just finally wandered up there back down maybe and then went back down yeah Yeah, uh, that that's how I mm-hmm. took it. And maybe it was like a case of, oh, running into someone from the crew post what happened to him, kind of shook him up right. or something like that. Like, I think you could find reasons for him to go back down. 
Um, it didn't mm-hmm. really bug me too, too much. Or personally. even maybe just hearing that Gordon was on his way because yeah, might have yeah, him because out or he does like share that. later with Phil that Gordon hurt him, so he he does remember that at least. So yeah. maybe yeah, maybe that shook him up in a way. But one last thing, I just think you know the setting is such a character, and that's because. Most of the horror and the scares honestly do come just from the setting. This was a low budget film. They didn't really have to do very much because it is so successful. I just think setting wise, the imagery that is given, even the fact that a lot of this still happens in the light, the changes from light to dark, like from just being upstairs and having lights shine through the windows to then going through the tunnels or even that hall where there's only light shining on that chair. Stuff mm-hmm. like that, I think, is just so beautifully done and plays so well to the horror that this movie has. Because for me, that is where the horror comes from in an otherwise more, like you said, psychological thriller is the setting and the way that they play with the setting. I think that that is mm-hmm. what successfully sells the scares. Yeah, absolutely. And like also this place was for a long time like touted as one of the most haunted places around. Um, granted, you can't visit it anymore. It one burned down like in the early 2000s, but then they have also since renovated it to like apartment complexes. So people just kind of live there mm-hmm. now. Um which I, you know, despite the fact that, yeah, I'm sure it's just like a regular old place at this point, knowing the history of that area, I, I would never, yeah. I don't care how cheap the rent is, but um, yeah, unfortunately, can't go uh, sightseeing over there. Plus, apparently that was like a huge problem for them in the first place is people all wanting to go ghost hunting and like coming into a place that was very dangerous to be in, like just on a realistic level right. like the place was falling apart like you could seriously injure well, yourself I'm going sure, in there even though it's just part of the film i'm sure what bill said was true about people breaking in and squatting and like oh, teenagers yeah. running in and mm-hmm. like that all the graffiti that's in there it's like yeah that that's, that's from real yeah people. <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess like they could only really use like a certain portion of the hospital as well just because the rest of it was just too dangerous Mm -hmm. to film in regardless doesn't feel Um, like it it feels like they have full (laughs) reign of this place yeah it does like they do use the parts that they get to use very well to make the place just seem massive um but yeah like the the institute itself served as a huge character um but yeah i guess if you want to go live there now you can i believe it's in massachusetts so have fun go Go uh, Zillow, see how much it, it costs. Check it out. Also, did you read about that whole basically cut side plot? Oh, like subplot? The, yeah, that there's like, the homeless like a homeless yeah. lady or something was apparently like around the entire time and was watching the characters. But I guess they cut it because people kept confusing that character with Mary, which I think, honestly makes sense like both for why you cut it and why people would just assume that um because like if there was some unannounced character wandering around which we get like hints of but i think it's now implied that it's gordon Mm -hmm. um i too would have been like oh maybe it's the ghost of mary or simon or something like that which would turn into more of a ghost story mm -hmm. than more of the psychological 
thing that it is right now. Right. And it's not necessary. It's Yeah, like we didn't need it by any mm -hmm. means. If anything, it would maybe play into the realism and maybe just the idea that this is really so tied into Gordon. So this lady is not being affected by it because she's not involved in it. And that's the only thing I could see that would be beneficial of that. And it would have, mm -hmm. maybe it's a cool idea to be like, oh, here's a different perspective. But I, yeah, I think it serves just as well to imagine that Gordon is just kind of skulking around and, mm -hmm. and watching things and listening. Cause we do see elements of that anyway, particularly when he's watch or when he's listening to Hank and Mike talking. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think it was for the best. I feel bad. I always hate to hear when like whole, plots were cut and that involves cutting like an entire actor's role that's right. shitty but also i don't think it was necessary one last point um it seems from the couple of like interviews that i watched that the entire cast was kind of spooked by the location but uh peter who played gordon seemed especially spooked by the place um it's both like on the imdb but he says it himself of like there was one moment when they're shooting like the uh the rooftop scene where he swears by everything that there was just a voice in his head that at one point during filming was like, just jump. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of that is just like actor driven, intrusive thought versus mm -hmm. like the actual place itself. But it was kind of, it was kind of fun to like, listen to these guys talk about shooting there. It seems like to me, they were playing it up a little bit, but despite right. that, um, it was I still mean, interesting. I do be having, I do feel like that's just like an intrusive thought because I feel like I've thought that. Like, <laughs> and any any just, large height, you're like, what, yeah, what would happen like, though? Anything that's dangerous, I feel like you're like, what if I just cut my fingers off? When you're like cutting, <laughs> chopping vegetables, you're like, what if I just swerved into the median when you're in your car? Like, I feel like sometimes you just have those. Sometimes it just happens. But um, I don't know. I would do, I would, I, I would do the same thing. If I was filming and they said, oh, well, you know, this place is haunted immediately i would start saying things mm -hmm. i would just see people i'd hear things yeah <laughs> i would think everything was a haunting so <laughs> i can't even talk because i would convince myself that i was being haunted the entire time and i go on the press tour making up all this shit <laughs> that probably didn't happen <laughs> god forbid i don't have my glasses on i'll see people standing everywhere <laughs> uh but yeah that's everything i got unless you got some last stuff we can uh figure out what we're gonna rate this one out of um no that's a that is that's about it i think i covered everything oh the last thing that i do want to say is um this i had i want to be clear obviously because i pointed out multiple film moments that uh, i think david crusoe th does a very good job in this movie it is a little hard for me not to just see him as the csi <laughs> miami guy that is not his fault that is not fair to him he is much more than that. But I've just seen so many memes of him like putting his sunglasses on and saying a thing. Yeah, it's true. And I was excited when I saw him in this, though, because I don't know that I've seen him in very many other projects. And I was excited that he was going to be in this movie. And like, this is so different than CSI. Yeah. So. I, it, it does I, seem like from his IMDb that once CSI hit, he was like, I'm good. I don't really need anything else, which honestly, which is probably fair, true. Dude. Yeah. yeah, dude, like you're locked. You are set. Set for life. And if you're having a good time, you're having a good time. But um, 
yeah, it was a it was a little bit of a treat to see him in something different. It surprised me. But yeah. yeah, that was my last thing. Okay. Shout out to David. Well, now what <laughs> are we going to rate this out of? I would like I was gonna suggest lobotomies, but that feels a little bit insensitive. So maybe not. <laughs> uh, perhaps something perhaps a little bit not. light, light-hearted Oreos, maybe. <laughs> we could rate it out of silver coins. Ooh, silver coins is a good one. Or or sessions, session tapes. Session tapes. I think between those two, I'm leaning more towards silver coins, just because like silver they coins. they do play a pretty big role, and I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind doing silver coins. Okay, I'm down for silver coins. Okay, okay, okay. Well, with it being the homies pick, it kind of goes either way, which one of us starts first. But would you like mm-hmm. to go first, or would you like me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, hit us with it. What are you thinking? I'm going to rate session nine, I think 4.4 silver coins out of five. Okay. Yeah, I really liked this movie. I think that maybe I also benefited from, like I said, knowing nothing about it. This, to me, is the tension of it is so successful. The setting of it is so successful. It's weird because this is a movie where I don't really like <laughs> the majority of the characters. I, I never really felt super connected to any of them besides Gordon and maybe sometimes Mike. And they kind of irritated me at times. Weirdly enough, though, I was still totally fully invested in everything that was going on inside of this place, mainly just because I really, really wanted to know what was going on. I liked the reveal. I liked the mystery and how it built up. And I like the fact that now knowing what I know, I think going back and rewatching this movie is going to be a really good time. And I don't think that it's going to ruin things for me. I think this is one of those instances where it enhances the movie for me, knowing what it all ends up being and kind of rewatching things from a different lens. It is slow. It is a slower movie, especially I think the first hour, a lot of that is just kind of building up the characters and their deterioration, but it pays off really well for me by the end of it. And there's a certain quality to this film that does feel very early 2000s, but there's also a style of this that feels very different than other things that I've watched that I really like. And in a comparison to this movie, story-wise, and I think even just the way that everything unfolds and the way that everything is filmed and the suspense and the, t- the tension, it kind of reminds me of The Shining in that way. But I enjoyed this movie more. Don't come at me, please. <laughs> please, I'm just a girl. I don't want to fight about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just saying that's how I felt. So I'm going to give this um, 4.4 flipper coins out of five. <laughs> okay 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 and look you know first and foremost i'm not gonna judge that assessment yeah um between this and the shining because there i i see those similarities and i kind of i'm on the same wavelength of like i kind of prefer this descent into madness myself yeah. um however i think i'm gonna give this film i think i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a 4.2 okay um uh, and like a, a strong 4.2 because like there, I don't dislike this film 
at all. Like, I, I like this film a lot. I don't love it, but I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mystery is really enticing. Like, it was very fun to just, like, go along with it and try and piece it together before the film reveals it for you. Um, I like the directorial style. I kind of liked how amorphous things were and just how not clear cut and dry a lot of the plot points and like character decisions and and stuff was like all that worked for me Mm -hmm. um i a lot of the cinematography as you brought up was really good as well um i think like the only reason it's not even higher on my on my uh rating is just like honestly the same reasons of one the characters themselves although engaging to watch them interact with each other i didn't particularly like any of the characters and you don't have to like the characters in a movie like they can be unlikable but on a personal level for me that brings it down a little bit just because like it makes it feel like more of a slog and that tied with the pacing in certain places was a little bit of a drag for me Um, but that no way really took away from the experience of watching this movie. I still think it's a really great one. Um, I enjoyed the ride of watching it. And I also agree that like, I think a second watch is definitely, I'm definitely hyped for that because I want to see how all of these things play out knowing what I know now. Um, but I also feel like this is kind of the movie that like after that second watch, I might shelve for the foreseeable future. And so for that, it's not going to be like a five out of five, but I feel like a 4.2 is like a solid. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I just didn't love it. That is very fair. I I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely one that you, I feel like you will have to really be in the mood to go back to, mm-hmm. but I am excited to go back to it and see, yeah. see what I see, find what I find. But And also, I get why so many people have suggested it. I also get why a lot of articles, a lot of stuff online will be like the best horror movie that you've never seen. And then they'll reference session nine. It makes more sense now. I get y'all. I get where you're coming from. It's tracking. So once again, thank you for requesting this movie because I wouldn't have ever watched it because I thought I already watched it. So if it wasn't (laughs) for you guys, I wouldn't have looked into it. So thank you again for the requests. Once again, please send those in to us because we are going to be taking more looks at that than we than we have in the past. If you would like to do that, you can always reach us on our social media. We are Homies of Horror on everything. You can come into our Discord. The link for that is in our social media bios. And you can also email us. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on Monday, when the episode came out, we'll be streaming on Twitch tonight. Twitch is where we play spooky games with the homies, hang out, have some drinks, have some laughs. We'd love to see you there. You can also find that link in our social media bios. And last but certainly never least, if you are so inclined, we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or a review. Both can be done on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you homies are thinking of the show. If you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we'd love for you to. Over on Spotify, it is easy to rate us by simply clicking the stars underneath our name. That is it for us today. And that is it for the homies pick. Thank you, thank you, thank you again for the recommendation. And we will be seeing you, homies, next time with another spooky movie. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.